talk to you I don't know how to ask you if you're okay My friends always feel the need to tell me things Seems like they're just happier than us these days Yeah These days I don't know how to talk to you I don't know how to be there when you need me It feels like the only time You're listening to IRL, hosted by me, Ben Fama. Thanks for streaming us. Today's episode is being recorded off-site in writer and artist Sophia LaFrager's studio, where she is accompanied by the author Jameson Fitzpatrick. I wanted to have Sophia onto the show to discuss her newest publication, a book called Literally Dead. Published by Spork Books out of Tucson, shout out to Andrew Shuda, Drew Burke, and of course Richard Sykin, Literally Dead looks at the way we grieve in public, on social media, particularly Facebook. The conceit is explained in the beginning of the interview, and I was really moved by the source text. The posts are very, are of course very sad, very youthful and immature, and there's a very earnest sense of how language might be used to process or apprehend these deaths. The posts are respectful and very personal and therefore charming and compelling. Reading the book is a compelling experience. Sophia and I shared a stage at MoMA PS1 last year as part of the Greater New York Show, curated by John Giorno, as well as Performa 15. She has adopted three plays into internet-era anti-plays. She is also the author of IRL URL, as well as the text-based visual piece Feminlist. I highly recommend checking out her whole portfolio online. So I'm here with Jameson Fitzpatrick and Sophia LaFraga in Sophia's studio. I want to start off by asking you about your book, Literally Dead, which is on the same publisher I had, Spork. And I wanted to ask you how, what the genesis was of this project and how you decided to do it in the first place. Um, when I was in college, um, from about like my sophomore year until pretty much I graduated, I saw um, maybe like four so friends like pass away um in all kinds of different ways like the first one fell off a cliff at her like high school graduation party Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah it was actually hard to tell from the book what like actually like yeah it's crazy but i think that i like so it happened she was the first one and then i had a friend who was a pharmacy or pharmacy student like she studied pharmacy school right that's what Mm -hmm. it's called um she was in pharmacy school and she just like knew what pills to take to like kill herself and so she did that and those were the first two and then i feel like um and it was still kind of like when facebook was still really a thing like i feel like now Mm -hmm. it's like kind of like on the downfall of being a thing but um at that point i was like maybe like 19 and 20 and i was constantly i just like became like super kind of i don't know like i don't know if i want to use the word obsessed but i was like constantly checking in on their pages to like kind of just like see what i don't even know just like the activity or something like what was going on like what Uh people were saying and stuff um and then 
and then as it and then and nothing like and as it's as it started happening more and more um the following year um one of my friends like threw himself on the subway tracks and then the year after that um My buddy went out dancing and then came home really wasted, took a shower, fell in the shower, hit his head, died. And then it became, and then, so then as I, like, added, like, there also, like, kind of Facebook personas into, like, the cycle that I would, like, check kind of Mm -hmm. sometimes or, you know, I was really, like, for example, like, I was really interested when, like, you'd get, like, a birthday notification Mm -hmm. or, like, a people you should know kind of thing um and it was like someone deceased and so then maybe at that point i was like were you, oh, you were like, friends with them well yeah, yeah i was friends with all of them but i think like at some point one of my friends was had told me that this girl taylor like she kept on popping up as like people you should know yeah and stuff like that because like they hadn't like i don't know fixed the algorithm or whatever because facebook ha- i think now has like memorial pages mm-hmm which is a different type of thing. Not it's not like a, a friend page. Yeah. Well, now you can do a couple different things. You can like a next of kin can either delete the page or memorialize it. Memorializing it means that they can't accept any new friend requests, mm-hmm. but like um, the page can still exist as like the I don't know like memorial. People can post. Yeah, people can still post on it. Yeah. But this was when it was just like. But this is like before any of that. Yeah, but when it was just like just like any other homie that you would have, Um, and so then so then I had like this sample of like four people, and then I was like, whoa, like the language that people use Mm -hmm. on these things is like became like more fascinating to me than like the initial like kind of like mourning that I was doing. Mm -hmm. Like it it was like a personal thing, but I'd also I studied linguistics in college. And we did some, like, socio stuff, and that's, like, really about, like, kind of, you know, going into, like, small environments and seeing, like, how people talk in, like, small kind of confined spaces, you know, like, a high school or something like that. And so then I was, like, oh, damn, like, this is, like, its own little kind of micro um, sample population or something of, like, the way that, like, people talk in, like, these spaces. And so then Monica actually was working on this project. And so I had had that in the back of my head, like a thing that I thought was like interesting and trippy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't like started collecting any language for it. And then Monica um, McClure, obviously, um, was... Well, she wrote about... Did you do it together? It was for a magazine called Intercourse Magazine. Exactly. Was that an interview? I don't know where she remember. Yeah, right. well, so she was working on... Um, internet alters, I think is what it was. Oh, okay. and, right. and, yeah. and we'd been shooting the shit just kind of like, what are you working on kind of vibes. And she said that and I was like, oh, that's so funny because like this is something that I've been kind of like marinating but haven't really like done anything for. And so then she was like, why don't you just like write it and then we'll mm-hmm. give it to the magazine. So then I did. But then when I, what I ended up writing was too long to be published like in that magazine. So then I kind of went and made it my own book. But that's pretty much the entire story of it. So you actually knew the people. Yeah. That was kind of unclear. Yeah. So the book is actually very emotional. Um, I mean, the language is not actually that personal. Like, you can see there's, like, some stories in there, but, like, it doesn't really seem... I mean, it's like, the people are so young. That's, like, what's really striking to me. Because it's... it's like, like, you can a, tell that, right? Like yes. That, yeah. Yeah. You can tell that the people who are, like, trying to... 
like similar to Joseph Kaplan's poem without suffering it's like a collective grief but like uh it's not like a mature response it's very like it's it's like a yearbook signing type of like platitudes almost like people haven't dealt with anything this grave there's such a, a range of feelings and emotions in what people have to say on walls like that, but it's also a really limited range. And I'm thinking now, Sophia, about the talk you gave at Triple Canopy about writing this book and that sort of um, ad lib style sort of list of forms you read there, which sort of was like everything that is there, like at least the sort of outline of. Oh, well, yeah, I wonder if I have that actually. Um, I can pause right here. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't even know if it'll be. Well, what's interesting to like one of the most compelling things to me is seeing the the actual text of the YouTube links put in there, Um, because you don't hear the songs. So when it's like I was listening to this and thought of you in this specific time when this happened. Yeah. And it's like, damn, like I, I I don't. We all have these types of. I mean, because music is, like, so compelling and, like, so tied to identity and, and like, identification with, like, the other and, like, specific instances, especially when you're young. Right. Um, So, like, seeing those, that actually is, like, has a lot of pathos for me, just, like, seeing the YouTube link pace in the text. I think that the unlinked link so to speak, mm-hmm. also feels really dated to the same time when Facebook was still such a thing. Yeah. Because you would do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. what in formats where it was a pain in the ass to actually link right. something, you would just put in the URL. But we hardly ever do that anymore because it's really easy. It's like, uh, everywhere. yeah. It's like um, Odysseus not hearing the siren song. Cause you have to imagine what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that when I was... I mean, I kind of put them in there just to be, like, true to... Yeah, I'm sure people have typed them into browsers. Yeah, I've never, so I don't even know if they're, like, link, actually. Really? Yeah, I didn't even, like... I'm a copy editor. I didn't even copy edit that. I didn't even, like, make sure, like, fact check that, I guess. Well, I mean, it would be asking a lot to someone to actually type out. Yeah. I don't think that's the point. I mean, at least in my reading of it. Right, right. No, totally. Yeah. Um... I found these. I don't know if they're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, so what Jameson was saying is that I gave a talk at Triple Canopy a couple months ago um, about kind of archiving practices, I think was like general mm-hmm. um, evening. And my talk was called Remember Me on This Computer. But part of it was um, I was thinking about the language of literally dead and how what interested me exactly is kind of what you guys are totally hitting on is that um it's so personal yet impersonal like and I intentionally like kind of scrambled them like they're in no order everyone's kind of memorializing language is all scrambled in there but um but then I was like oh like I wonder what makes this kind of rubric so then I did like an exercise where I was like trying to like figure out what Mm -hmm. what kind of things people say um so I'll just read this list one, hi you, rest in peace. This is a thing I recently did alone or with people we knew that made me or us think of you. We miss you. Two, here is a link to a song. We either enjoyed it together or else it came out after you passed and I think you would have liked it. Mm. Three, these are all the things I would have said if I would known the last time I saw you would be our last time together. 
for I feel strange writing this on Facebook, but I miss you and I'm not sure where else to say it. Five, remember the time we were sitting on that bench drinking coffee and I said something that made you laugh so hard you wouldn't stop for hours? I passed by that bench today and thought of you. Six, Facebook reminded everyone it was your birthday and we are all thinking of you and wishing you well. Seven, rest in love. Either say hello to the people we both know who are with you now in heaven or keep a seat warm for me when I join you. Eight, I am so angry that you died. Here are some things I feel guilty about or regret. I feel like if I had done something differently, you might still be with us. Nine, here is a quote that I find healing or inspiring. Ten, you were in my dream last night. Yeah, so like a really nice taxonomy of like types of Enunciations is like way people try to connect with like, like the unknowable other at that point. I guess they're knowable. They're like have been known. To me, the bench is always the the saddest item in that list because it's the most specific and therefore I think it's almost the most revealing of the sort of I don't want to say the banality of grief, but. Like, the universal quality. Everyone sat on a bench with someone who died and drank mm-hmm. coffee with them. Yes. And you feel like that belongs to you so much. And when you hear it in that list, you realize how much it doesn't belong mm-hmm. to you more than mm-hmm. anyone. Mm-hmm. And there's something really... Every time I'm just like, ah, oh, the bench. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes back... I hadn't thought about it as, as like, yearbook kind of sign. Mm-hmm. Like, what you sign, how you sign a yearbook. Yeah. But that is a, that's, like, exactly what it is. There's, like... You know, in high school, there's, like, five different levels of friends and, like, only, like, the most, only, like, your, you know, your best friends you are going to get something. That, yeah, exactly. You're going to, like, think about it. You're going to, like, take it home, maybe, uh-huh. like, whatever, give it back tomorrow. But, um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah right? Sure. So it's, like, the ones that for you, like, sure. um, and then everyone else, it's, like, oh, never change. Yeah. Oh, like, see you next year. Like, have a great summer. Yeah. Like, um, well, that time in X class. Class, when... yeah. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious, quick, and portable? Unlike juices, hot dogs are true meal replacements that contain mysterious ingredients and perhaps even some of the nutrients your body needs to get through the day. Plus, if $12 sounds like an excessive sum to spend on a beverage, imagine spending that on one without fibers, vitamins, minerals, or protein. Insane, right? Juicing strips fruits of these beneficial properties, leaving you with an expensive, watered-down version of a sugary drink you might be better off skipping in the first place. So next time you're looking for something tasty and affordable, pick up a hot dog. They're easy to find, go with almost any garnish, and the price of one equally empty juice will cover two or three. It's actually crazy that something so cheap can taste so good. Sophia, I was wondering, and obviously I've heard you talk a lot about this book, but I don't think we've ever talked about this. If you, having written this, put it out in the world, read from it a bunch, do you feel like it 
it did function in some sort of therapeutic way like it allowed you to be sort of finished with the source material or are these walls you still visit to look at like how did it change your relationship to the material you adapted it from Hmm. if at all Uh, you know I'm kind of like I'm kind of working through that because two weeks ago um a buddy we went to NYU with just passed away. And that was the first time that someone that I'd known since I put the book out, like, who I was Facebook friends with, like, this had happened again. Mm -hmm. And I was... And I thought about it a little bit. I was like, I wonder if I'm still gonna, you know, be checking in a lot. And I super did the the first few days. I haven't in a while now, but I... You know, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Um, I feel like I get, like, really obsessive over it. Mm. Um, or, like, at least, I don't know. It was I think it was maybe, like, a couple Tuesdays ago. And all that week I was, like, he would pop up as, like, you know, the first search when I opened, like, the search browser on Facebook. Because I was just, like, constantly, like, I don't know. It was a kind, And it was, like, kind of, like, I don't even know how to characterize, like, my interest in it. It was, like, part of it was, like, I wanted to see if anyone who I knew, who I knew through this kid, if any of our, like, mutual friends were posting, I wanted to see what they were saying, and I wanted to see if they weren't saying anything, and I, like, and I had, I felt like he was owed like a lot of people posting on his wall like Mm -hmm. I feel like and that that was kind of the the impetus that I had going into it like I wanted to check and make sure that people Mm -hmm. were posting because and I remember thinking even like when I die like if I die when you know Facebook is still a thing or something like that like I would hope that a lot of people would post on my wall but it made me I don't know and I and I kind of had this like moment of being like you know I don't know. I think he had something like it was in, in the first couple of days. Maybe like only like sixteen people had posted on his wall or something like that. And I like felt very kind of protective of that and was like, "Damn! Like more people should be." That's in, dual. You mentioned earlier that you thought the the the, uh, the four people's walls you were taking this material from earlier it was like a time when Facebook was more of a thing. Do you think that? People don't trust Facebook as much now. Yeah, probably. And you know, the other thing is that I don't, I never write on these walls. Yeah. I mean, like, I didn't write on, on this kid's wall at all. Like, I didn't, you know, the you one, didn't, I didn't at all, after yeah. After this project, did you, I mean, how could you, I guess, after you had written Well, exactly. Like, that's how I feel. But, and then I also felt unfair kind of wanting that of other yeah. people, you know. Um, what you said is really interesting, though, about sort of paying attention in particular to see what the people you knew in common might be writing. And in a way, I mean, you were sort of characterizing it as like what the the person who's died is owed, but that can also be really difficult, I think. Um, Several of my friends, or people I knew, died in a sort of span of a year after this book had come out when I was really thankful to have it to read. Um, But one of them in particular, who was a classmate, um, there was a lot of sort of misinformation and people weren't sure and I saw all of these people we knew in common and had gone to school with like writing these direct addresses like tell me it can't be true like I'm waiting to hear from you and those were like 
the most difficult things yeah. to see. And those are the only people I sort of like reached out to like in a private message. It was like, here's what I know. Like, I'm so sorry. Um, but just cause like that, that public sort of like doubt and Damn. panic, like to me is really like terrifying both to witness yeah, or to like imagine myself experiencing. about the like, yeah. the window where it's like, you think this person's going to see this and like, te- like it or something and like text you. Like, my God, there's so much of that. And that's like, the other thing is that I try to do in the book is kind of the chronology of the way that it all works. Cause it's so different. This kind of space, like, in the first 48 hours than it is like, you know, later months later, like now, you know, um, the second girl who'd passed, I go, whenever I go on her wall, it's like, Oh, you know, it's been, it's been five years now. Like I still think of you happy birthday. You know what I mean? But it's much more like with a distance and without like the urgency or like, but the first ones are like, I heard a horrible rumor. Like I'm calling you, like, I'm calling you everywhere. Why are you not picking up? Like, this is crazy. It's so unlike you. You know, it's like literal panic where people don't even, it's not even the vibe that, like, it, this could possibly be true. Isn't there a line in there, something like, like, tell me it isn't true? Yeah. yeah there's a lot of those. I heard this rumor. Yo, tell, you know, tell me this isn't true. Like, check in. Yeah, hit me back. Like. And that for me, I mean, that's like, that's the realest shit. That's like. It's very raw because it's like. Yeah. I felt really guilty, though, kind of, in a way, I guess. Um, I I remember you said that it took a long time for you to put it together. Yeah, I don't know if guilty is the right word, but I I think I had a long... I had a while where I struggled um, with feeling like I was being respectful or something. Like, kind of, like... You know the kind of, like, reverence that you're, like, brought up with, like, you know... Like, never speaking ill of the dead or, like, kind of, like, you know, really, like, this reverence kind of that you're, like, supposed to have. The rest in style, rest in power, rest in, like, rest, rest. What, like, I got real, like, when you read so many of these things, you really, like, it's like when you say a word so many times, it's Mm -hmm. like the meaning of it gets really, like, too wonky for you to be able to hold on to. But the testimonies get started to, like, become very unstable. So it's like, the rest, like, what does it mean to rest when you're dead? Like, like there's so many like it's very odd you you almost like you like uh really start to like apprehend this sort of like ether of like the unrest that like is is like you could be conjuring i mean it sounds like super like witchy or or, or sort of like half-baked but flimsy but like uh it's also like in order to keep memory alive to not like just forget the person's existence i think there's that feeling when someone you love dies that you also have to like pick up the labor of their being in the world yeah like in order to keep them there for sure and in that way like i kind of see sophia's book as doing that um it is memorializing and archiving what is already, like, necessarily an archive, right? Like, the Facebook wall, but it becomes a physical object, right? You hold it in your hands. Like, the ink is fixed. Um, Yeah. And I think there's something really beautiful 
um, about that sense of permanence, even if, in fact, like the digital is, is more permanent long term. Well, what's interesting is that these huge corporations like Facebook and Google, like Facebook could disappear and put these types of things away. But like in five years, they could have a total shift and just like their interface where everything you've written could come back on a search like because like they like change their interfaces so much so yeah, it's yeah. all there um just like Go- like google absorbed blogspot i think so like things i posted on blogspot with my gmail i can see all those pictures now just through my, yeah, yeah, my yeah. very much like google plus or whatever later. yeah yeah these are things i never thought would ever come back do you remember the day sophia you found all of your uh, Facebook graffiti. Um, <gasps> oh my works. god! They're incredible. Like we all remember that Facebook app graffiti, and like right. everyone did these shitty ones. And of course, Sophia pulls hers out from senior year of high school, and they're like amazing. <laughs> I had no idea people could even do shit like that. Yeah, I was like drawing on my like what's it called? It was like an iBook. I think it was called like before, like before the MacBook. It was like white and beautiful, and like on oh, the yeah, yeah, like yeah. on the trackpad. I was like drawing this like intricate shit. Of course, it was like being seventeen. Like when else do you have like In the school. time to like yeah. yeah like two hours on someone's Facebook page? So there was a time when like Facebook like changed their interface to where like you all of a sudden those were like back available to you. Yeah, because they like because for a while it After disappeared, you know. Timeline. Was it, was yeah, it I think it, it must have been, or maybe it, it maybe it's in the apps or something. Maybe it's like a photo album. I forget now, oh, but yeah, it was yeah. like the kind of thing that it was like one of these like you know, Facebook apps that like I don't even does anyone there were so do they exist yeah. anymore? Yeah, I don't even know. They do. Yeah, it's I what people pay like Farmville. Oh, graffiti. There was a graffiti. There was the gossip box. What was it called? Um, oh. Secret post a secret. Or, no, Post Secret was a different no. platform. This oh one. yeah, yeah, this was, but it was a Facebook app, and you could and you could write anonymously, was it like on the a question box or the secret box. It was like something like that. Maybe one of our listeners knows and can write in. <laughs> um, but it was like this thing where you could like you could post anonymously, and everyone would say this mean shit. It was like always mean. it was always mm-hmm. mean, and I went to like an all girls like 40, 40 girls in the class year. Um, so it was like the, it was like as mean as you could possibly get was like yeah. the sample population and that shit was gnarly. I never got it cause I never even wanted to know like what everyone had to say about me, but everyone else would come into the senior lounge being all. It's like a different sort of like re- set of received forms in internet speak, the like mean anonymous comment or yeah. the public grieving coast. So we're um, almost done with our time, so we should get into the tipsy topics. You guys spend... Tipsy topics? Yeah. Well, you guys spend a lot of time together. What are you talking about and later into the evening when you maybe had a few cocktails and you're just chatting? What's been on your mind? What's going on with... One's love life slash overall life slash career. Right. Sophia's leaving for grad school soon. Which I'm super sad about. I mean, like, happy for you, but sad for myself because you won't be a few blocks away anymore. For a second. For a second. For, like, literally a second. 
I'm so nervous that I have to keep on reminding myself that, like, it's literally a second. Blink of an eye. Like, what date is it today? May 16th? May 15th? May 16th? May 16th. So two months ago was, like, March 16th? That was, like, a second what ago, right? Happened? That was, like, literally a second ago. Blink of an eye. Can I even remember a thing that happened? That <laughs> I had my talk. Oh, my God. Literally, probably, like, March 16th was my triple canopy talk. That was a minute ago. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. So that's, like, how soon I'm going to be back. In this house, in my studio. Well, I know you talk about in dating the rotation. So tell me what is the rotation and then how do you know when to get out of it? Oh, that's like advanced. Yeah. H- how to get out of it is advanced. You can Like all take, like remove yourself <laughs> or like eliminate items from, because like well, those are two different well, things. Well, the idea, right, is to find the one that you like. That's See, not that's the not the, the idea when well, you have a rotation. Okay. Okay, I'm so listening. so the rotation is more like when you're. I mean, it takes a. You have to be in a certain frame of mind to have to want a rotation. That's usually like I'm so chill, kind of with my single life. Like I love being kind of you know single and doing my own thing and. Having like that. The tasting menu. It's like the tasting of menu, exactly. Like, oh, like, I really just want to, like, try everything, and I don't necessarily even want, like, mm. that big a meal. But, yeah, but, right. okay, but so, okay. so that's like, that's, that's like the dating portion of it. But then, like, when you accept people into your rotation, it's like implied that you, like, like at least, like, one thing about them enough that you're, like, kind of like, oh, this is, like, worth keeping around, like, kind of. Because the rotation is, like, it's not like, forever long term but it's like definitely not like just like a one night stand like that would so have the been rotation, rotation is sustainable oh yeah oh by its very nature by its nature yeah yeah, yeah. If you just see someone a couple of times like they never get like worked into the rotation that's just like a uh, thing that happens okay. in your life yeah yeah like it has to be like a presence in your life in, in order for them to be part of the rotation um so something that has been taken up by many television shows as well um the uh, gotta catch them all Pokemon's style of dating espoused by Pizzerina Sabaro on a late episode of 30 Rock, for instance. Okay. I've seen all, I've seen Parks and Rec, but I haven't gone, but I've seen some of 30 Rock, but. I believe the rotation also comes to us from an episode of, um, The Bitch in Apartment 23. Like, or it, like, evolved contemporaneously, uh-huh. IRL, but there's definitely an episode about that as well. <clears throat> What happens in an episode? Well, it all goes wrong when, like, she realizes she numbers her rotation and she realizes that she's, like, number three in her number one's rotation and then she <gasps> freaks out. That's bad, yeah. See, that's the thing. Rotations can get messy. Like, <clears throat> and they're very, like, I don't know. You have to you have to be in a specific mi- mindset. And mm-hmm. I, I personally, like, I don't think I can maintain a rotation mindset for, like, more than, like, six months because then it's like it becomes a like kind of like a full-time job i mean then it's like but then six if you spent like six no. months dating like five different people though like some of them might be like so what's next and yeah you right. might want to be like actually i just want to like chill with you or you might be like uh if there's going to be a like what's next maybe nothing maybe, yeah exactly and that's how, and then and that's how the rotation rotates also because they it's like a natural selection kind of thing. So like, 
you kind of see how long you're down to be in a rotation, how long you're down to have your rotation, and then when you're out, you're out, or like so maybe someone else, it's like it's not their time, so then they slip out of yours. Um, cue Johnny Mitchell's The Circle Game. Yeah, exactly. I will <laughs> cue both sides now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, maybe this is, we could tra- go into the taking the temperature where you go zero to 100 in your personal feelings. And we can do TV because you were talking about TV. So maybe I'll just mention some shows that are really popular right now. You could just say zero to one hundred. One hundred being like, like the oh, baddest. We love it. Yeah. We love it. Zero. And this is like a like positive feeling scale, not just an intensity of feeling. Both. Uh, okay. Well, it's both. Yeah. Zero. Jameson would have would have to clarify that. Zero <laughs> is like ice cold. Like uh... word, word, word. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Game of Thrones. I've never seen it. So NA. 75, I love to hate watch it, baby. Um, so what the show you mentioned, uh, The Bitch in the Apartment 23? I give it, like it, it like an 80. I, I was going to say like 80, 85. Where, is that show on, what, how do you even see it? Been canceled, it's on Netflix now. Okay. It's a gem. It's Fox. 85? That's pretty high. I said uh, 80. I, I mean like, okay. it was like imperfect, but like. Within the, like, sitcom genre. It didn't need to be renewed for a third season. You both watched The Good Wife. Yeah, like 102. Uh (sighs) Uh-huh. I've seen most of The Good Wife, like, three times at this point. So, like, okay, 30 Rock. 97. Like, a full five points below The Good Wife? No, I mean, that's just because The Good Wife is, like, way more recent. Actually, let me... I'm gonna take that back, because... 30 Rock is, like, marinated as, like, a mainstay kind of canonical (laughs) TV show. Klaus agrees or disagrees. (laughs) Unclear. He doesn't like it because it's probably taking a lot of your attention. It's true. He doesn't want to hear about another Cuddling in front of the TV, though. That's true. Klaus gets a lot of cuddling time. What about Lost? Uh, Like... First season, or when Jack was shirtless, like 90, the rest of the time, like 45. I didn't see it, so again, not applicable. Um, Also 90 when Desmond or Sawyer were shirtless. Sawyer is shirtless a lot. I mean, wouldn't you be? Klaus is shirtless. Klaus just sneezed. I don't know if the mic got that. Um, Do you guys want to take each other's temperature on the thing? Or do you just know? Well, that's like a funny thing to ask because it immediately made me think of Sense8. Which is coming back, right? When? I don't know. I thought I thought you told me that it was coming I back. I mean, there is a second season coming. Sophia and I binge-watched the entire first season of Sense8. Like in temperature a, is? A day. A hundred. A hundred, but like... Proximity? Like, because it was fun to watch, not yeah. because of how good it is. Yeah. Was. What's your what's your fork what's your, your New York Stock Exchange forecast temperature on Cincy for yourself in a year? A Gain year. or loss? You'll like it more or less. This okay. Could be a new segment, but yeah, this is gonna this is already a new segment because like I don't I no longer even I'm judging Sensei as like a piece of television art. <laughs> I'm thinking about it more in terms of. How Jameson and I watched it like in the two a weeks before experience. I like left for two months to go to Berlin and like 
we were like, we'll just sensate the whole time in Berlin because it's all these people who share like a consciousness. Um, and we do do it at IRL. It's like what we say now, like if we're in a situation and we like realize we're thinking the same thing without articulating it. Is sensate like, I know it's like across, like geographically across the world, but is it also like, does it span like time? No, because everyone was born on the same day, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Right. I've never seen it actually. Just read a ton of tweets about it. It's I'm going to say memeable. it's, like, not a loss not to watch it. Like, which is, I mean, which should just, should, is, like, a justification for my, like, 100. That's, like, a very personal 100. Word. I mean, it's not perfect, but there's some, like, interesting, what it does with, like, sex and, like, the boundaries of identity, I think, is interesting. Because, like, what does it mean when you, like, share, like, an eight-person identity? There's these crazy, like, trippy orgy scenes. That's true. There's some good peen on Sensei, too, for those it of you interested in. Yeah. Not. Um, That's good. That's, like, balanced. I appreciate, like, good peen. It's like, it's like I could take it or leave it, but... I think you could leave it from what I know about you. Which brings us to the cubby hole. So, the first time uh, Sophia and I hung out, she had just gotten back from Berlin. And we'd been in touch, and we hadn't met. I was working on a book, Mall Witch, uh, which is an artist book, and it's all illustrated. And I know Sophia had exhibited works in Brooklyn Museum, and she was also a writer, so I kind of just wanted to get pick her brain about it so we met at Kelby Hole I know uh, when Shiv Kotecha was on earlier we talked about Bergheim in Berlin is this site of of all, all types of uh, semiotic information for him um, both culturally and personally and uh, he talked at length about it on a previous episode so I wanted to ask you Sophia if you related to Kelby Hole in a similar way and if you could just tell us uh we're, we're kind of getting close to time, but you, it just, like, your closing thoughts on, like, what cubbyhole means to you. This is a bar in the West, a lesbian bar in the West Village with fish hanging from, what's hanging from the ceiling? Like, miscellaneous. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say <laughs> it's decorated in all nice kinds of... Nice choice. <laughs> there's, like, there's some plastic grapes. There's, like, streamers. They, like, never take down, like, the Halloween decoration or the Christmas. Like, it's all there all the time kind of vibe. Um, yeah, I mean, the cubbyhole is very kind of important to me personally because, um, oh, I hope Debbie's not listening to this. Maybe I hope Debbie is listening to this, but, um, they've been serving me there since I was like 18. Um, so I was like kind of, I remember like as a freshman, I would like walk around by myself trying to like figure out like if I was gay and, like, what that meant and, like, where, like, lesbians, like, even hung out and then, like, would go to the cubbyhole, like, by myself and, like, drink a beer. Um, but, I mean, you know, it's, like, one of the last lesbian places in New York um, that's still up and running and, like, I mean... And it's an amazing bar. Everyone should go there. Everyone should go, obviously. But mostly queer people because not everyone should go if you're all straight together. That's true. That really, like, messes up the vibe. Um, but they also don't charge a cover like Henrietta does and like stuff like that. I mean, it's like a good vibe Drinks place to drink. Drinks are cheap. Amazing happy hour. It's fitting that we met earlier today at the Cubby Hole. We did. We I did. Mean, and I was pleasantly surprised by how chill it was. It's usually super packed. And... Monday's the time. I mean, yeah, the after work crowd is like, it's a good, 
It's a good vibe. But one thing, the last thing you said to me about Cubby Hole that really stood out was when Carol came out the first night. You said everyone from Cubby Hole was at the Angelica watching it. And I thought, <laughs> Sophia, there must be some contingent that you could recognize in the dark. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to say that I do spend like three evenings a week at the Cubby Hole, so. <laughs> and maybe like have since I was approx 18. Um, <laughs> so I definitely like. Yeah, there's definitely people that I see on the street where I'm like, wait, like, do I know you or have I just seen you at the cubby hole? This is Sophia LaFraga calling from Greenpoint, Brooklyn. IRL, a series about poetry and poetry world gossip, is produced by Ben Fama and co-hosted by Monica McClure. IRL is produced at the Kaufman Studios in Queens, home of the very best momos. IRL is sponsored by absolutely no one, but lives on SoundCloud. Feel free to browse their other episodes with the likes of Shiv Kotecha, Rachel Robert White, and Tommy Pico, among others, or to donate to Ben or Monica's PayPal accounts, McClure.Monica and BenFama at gmail.com. <laughs>